Welcome again, everyone, to the Two Toms Talk and Travel podcast. We are the official travel experts here in Podcast Town. And if you don't believe us, just ask the mayor. Ready to get down to business and talk some travel, Tom? And let's do it. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Two Toms Talk and Travel podcast. I am Tom Russo, Sensational Beach Vacations, along with my good friend and podcast partner, Tom Carnes, LaMachia Travel. Whew. How you doing today, Tom? I'm fired up today. It is a good day, you know? Yeah, I got a lot to talk about today. And All right, let's settle you in for a moment because yeah. I can see you have got I'm some I'm on the stuff edge of my going. chair. Right, no doubt. Slow down. We woke up to snow this morning and a little bit of yeah, frost, frost all over the, the car. Pump- a lot yeah. of frost on the cars. Well, I was going to say pumpkin, but there's no pumpkins. They're all gone. No, it's cold, yeah, but it's, it's going to be like 67 degrees later today. So you know what? That. Take that energy you got burning inside you. Share it on the podcast today, but know that at the end of it, when you let it go, let it out in the world, my friend, yep. and then move on with a beautiful day as we roll into the weekend. How's no, I'm that? positive. Absolutely. No, it's, hey, you know what? As we move into summer, it's my favorite season. There's a lot going on. There's hopefully we're going to have some summer festivals, some live music. I love to be out and about, love to do things outside. You are outside. a man about town, yeah, brother. Yeah, no doubt about it, so... Yeah, so today's going to be a good day. We have a really cool guest today. We're going to expand our horizons today. We'll continue to do that, though. We do. It hit me last week when I was thinking about what we got to do about the show, what's out there to do, what can we inform listeners and travelers and people about. And I realized this show and the millions of listeners we have, it's a lifestyle show. It's not just travel, even though it's two times talking travel, it's a lifestyle because travel is a lifestyle, even though it has been kept from us for a year plus. Yeah. It's all about enjoying life. And I I think we need to kind of change our show a little bit to show and expose some of those other wonderful aspects of life and how they touch travel. Yeah. And also just keeping it fresh, you know, so that we can provide some good conversation and kind of diversify our guests. So we got a great guest coming up today. We, do. we can talk about that a little bit here. Someone and you've known for a long, long time, and I think that's really awesome. Yeah, it's kind of cool to watch the development. So we'll come into that a little bit. And then as always, we talked about this pre-show a little bit, and we have been doing this for a year now. But unfortunately, there's still travel things, travel restrictions, travel developments that we want to talk about because we keep it real. You know, we always try to, as we talked about when we first started, This is not just a show about travel fluff, and we want to keep it real and keep our listeners informed about things that are happening out there and kind of the important issues that are impacting travel. Can I just get you to it, man? You're like, you're at the edge of the seat. Tell me what you're feeling today and why. bugging me. And this is why I was all fired up this morning. So I think it was two days ago, the U.S. State Department added like 123 countries to the do not travel restriction, which they call level four. So I thought to myself, well, why would they do that? What's the point? Now, thankfully, in the U.S., 200 million of our brethren have been vaccinated and things are moving in a positive direction. I think from a travel standpoint, we've really shown some individual responsibility where people have handled things properly, even going back to the COVID testing requirements coming back from international travel, as an example. That's been in place since January 26th. And When that first started, I thought there was going to be tons of horror stories about people quarantined and trapped in Mexico and I can't get home. But you know what? How many of those stories have you heard? Not many, Tom. I can tell you that. Not many at all. And the number of people that have tested positive in the destination has been minusculely small. So there's this giant burden on the resorts and the destinations to do the testing and a lot of stress and people don't want to travel. Anyway, so when the CDC put this edict out, the first thing is, like I said, why? 
and what's it all about? And the second question is, why now? And so when I look at it, the addition of that do not travel recommendation or their requirement or whatever you want to call it really is something that bothers me greatly. When I look at how they decided who falls underneath that edict, it just doesn't seem to make sense. So from our standpoint, from the two times, you know, we're both travel guys. We own travel agencies. And of course, we got a vested interest. Absolutely. Well, clarification, right? No doubt about it. But at the same time, and we've been, I think, really responsible about how we're talking about travel and having it be individual decisions. But at the same time, with what's happening now, we just have to look at it objectively. Same thing goes for the restart of cruises. Cruise lines haven't sailed since last March. And now they're starting to come up with itineraries that don't include U.S. ports. Correct. They're originating or embarking out of the Bahamas, out of Bermuda, out of London. I mean, out of out of countries where Florida is at the point right now where they're trying to sue the CDC about the CSO, the cruise stops. And it's, as you said, you started out, 200 million Americans have already been vaccinated and we continue to move forward with that. We've got protocols in place, but yet it's like the CDC's is just trying to take travel and the decisions they're making are all backwards. It's like we're moving backwards with it. There was an interesting, Richard Fain, uh, president of Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, was quoted saying, they're trying to get phase one of the cruise industry in the process in place so they know what to do. They don't even know what phase two is. The CDC is telling them, no, you can't cruise, but you know what? Get ready for phase two. There's no talk about phase two. What does that mean? Phase one is the test cruises. Let's get those out there. They don't even really know when they can do that. So, excuse me, it's like stirring shit up for no reason. Yes. Plain and simple. Exactly. No, and that's what bothered me because, yeah, it's our livelihood. I get that. But at the same time, we're super busy. I know you're really busy. People are booking travel like crazy and really looking forward to trips and destination weddings and everyone who had their honeymoon canceled last year's rebooking. So it just bothers me that we can't find a better way to manage through this for the travel industry because it's not just us as agents. It's all the suppliers. All of these countries and these destinations, these people, they depend on travel. Their whole economy in Jamaica, Dominican Republic, Barbados, Antigua, these are all tourism destinations and they've done the responsible thing. Same as Mexico. I mean, Mexico has done a phenomenal job on how they've managed through this. The Mexican people are so judicious about how they're going about their business and we shouldn't penalize them for that. We should find ways to work through it in a positive way so that people can travel responsibly have their vaccinations and have a level of confidence and not have this fear that, hey, you know what, should I go? They said I shouldn't go. Do not travel. That sounds pretty definitive to me. Right. Why would they come out with a list of, what do we say, 120 new countries, right? And did you read the list? I didn't get to the list yet, but I guarantee you how many of them are not necessarily mainstream destinations from the U.S. travelers? Because right now there's over 100 countries you can travel to. And yes, they have policies and procedures that you need to put in place. Some require quarantines. But again, if you need to get there for family purposes, then you're going to travel quarantine with family. But if you need to get the test, you're going to get testing. Instead of coming out and promoting the, hey, there's 90 countries that are receiving Americans. They come out with an 80% increase of countries that are level four that we don't feel you should travel to. Right. It's the negative, and it pisses me off because it's like there's a file on the CDC desk. It just says travel, traveler cruises, right? And nobody's got time to deal with it. So they see it in the corner of the desk and everybody's like, every so often we should really address this. Okay, let's address it. Don't travel. And then we'll come back to this file in another month when we get a chance to do it. And again, granted, the CDC is busy. It's easy for me to talk. I don't work there. They have those responsibilities. But that's how I feel because 
it just seems like it's being neglected. I'm with you. It doesn't seem thoughtful. It doesn't seem strategic. It doesn't seem based on objectivity. So when 80% of the countries in the world are under a do not travel level four classification, well, what does the consumer think? They don't know all the rules and restrictions. So as we always talk about on the show, the first conversation you should have is with a professional travel advisor, your consultant, the person that you work with, talk through the questions with them, get their perspective on things. They'll give you the real deal like we do. But at some point, there has to be an understanding that travel is a, such an important part of our lives. And ultimately, people are going to do it anyways because they already are. We've been traveling to Mexico and I'm going to the Dominican Republic next week. And it's such a big part of our society and a, a part of our lifestyle that let's find a better way to manage through it as opposed to just doing broad brush edicts that may or may not make any sense, that people may or may not pay attention to. And here we are again looking at things that are, are impeding progress as opposed to... You know what's weird about it, and I don't mean to cut you off okay, at no. that point, is that here we are fighting that, but yet let's talk about some good news. Every time you turn on the TV right now, you got United, you have American, you have Delta that are increasing routes. Yes. They are dropping more lift in. They believe firmly in everybody getting on. I've traveled a few times and... I know you said you're going to Mexico. I'm going to Hawaii in a few weeks, and I'm ecstatic for that. I'm looking forward to that experience. But the planes are full. People are traveling. And when you see companies like United and American and Delta coming up with additional routes, not only domestically, but they're investing internationally. And these are not just now let's reset old flight routes. No, these are all new. It's kind of like the clearing of the air and starting over. So they're looking at different markets to fly to with direct flights. So that makes a travel agent and more importantly, travelers such as the listeners, it should make you very excited about that, that, hey, things are coming back into play, but they're changing a little bit. And I really, really think that what we see with the travelers, and we've talked about this before, is that that transition, the new expectations of travelers and vacationers, more importantly, vacationers, is going to be a more genuine, unique, and different experience. More immersion in the culture, less big bus tours, less 16-day tours, 22-country type of thing. It's going to be shorter experiences that are more intense that might piggyback on another one. So when I say something like that, you're talking a four-day intense trip to Portugal that in the old days might have been four or five days, part Portugal, part Spain. So we talked to a couple of companies, uh, companies like Globus, Trafalgar. Globus has created these more independent experiences where you're culturally immersed, small groups, not huge groups. But again, if you want to do huge groups because there's a market for that, people like it. But these small, authentic journeys where you end up dining in a local's home. Reminds me of a European vacation when Chevy Chase brings his family to the wrong family's house and they all dine in there. And it's a little bit of that type of experience, except obviously a little bit more well thought out. It kind of reminds me of uh, Anthony Bourdain. His last book just got yeah. released. Did you see that? Yeah. His assistant finished the book, which I can't wait to read. He's one of my all-time favorite travel authors. But... Not only that, but you get behind the scenes of museums. You get to see a little bit more in depth, not just the traditional sterile view of how wine's made, but you get to get in there and see and feel. And depending on the level of tour company you deal with, something is all the way to a Disney adventure or adventures by Disney who really get you behind the scenes because Disney has the power to be able to bring you to these things. And again, 
just a quick Adventures by Disney note is this is not a Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse trip. These are global vacations for families, high-end, high-experience, things that you can't get on a normal tour. But Disney has the ability to buy and get you there. So if anybody's looking for something really crazy, an Adventures by Disney is an absolute must. Yeah, I agree. I think the curated experiences are definitely something that people are going to gravitate to. For our clients, those people are coming back to travel. They really are looking for the experiential elements. And the good news is that there's so much of that out there, whether it's Adventures by Disney or whether it's some of the more traditional destinations, the ability to construct or curate a very unique experience is going to be huge. And I think people are really willing to pay for that, right? They understand that, hey, you know what? It's not your cookie cutter. It costs a little bit more money, but in the end, the memories that you create are way, way worth it. So, And the memory, oh, I, and I apologize, I completely blew over the memories because that's I'm talking the experience, but that's really what you gain from it. But our guest today is that this is a perfect lead-in for who our guest is today about the experiences and whatnot. And on today's show, we're excited to have with us somebody I've known for most of his life, Chef Daniel Bonanno. Danny Bonanno is a chef and a friend of the family, and he has had some major success. He grew up in Kenosha. His father managed a local deli in Kenosha called Tenuta's. It's been a local institution, a regional institution for years and years and years, one of the best Italian delis in the Midwest. And Daniel went to Le Cordon Bleu. He graduated from Le Cordon Bleu Culinary School in Minneapolis. Danny worked for years with Tony Montuano, who owns a restaurant in Kenosha called Manja's, and Danny worked there for years. But he also was the head chef and manager of Spiaggia in Chicago, which is world famous. Danny also spent some time in Lake Geneva, and his training brought him to Italy. So he trained in Italy for a year as well. And currently, he owns and operates a restaurant called A Pig in a Fur Coat in Madison, and it is truly a unique experience just saying the name of the restaurant. Yeah, no, I can't wait to ask him about that. So we're really taking it to another level today because the culinary side of lifestyle and the culinary side of travel is huge. Yep, and it's a perfect transition into what we're talking about, the way people are going to travel out of here. So who is flying this plane? All right. Well, welcome, Dan Bonanno. Welcome to the Two Toms Talk and Travel. Again, Dan Bonanno, owner of A Pig in a Fur Coat restaurant and Alimentari, a deli in Madison, Wisconsin, I believe is uh, your brother Enrico partners with you or working with you. How does that work? That's correct. My brother is a partner at the deli, along with my restaurant business partner also. So we got a little team. Welcome to the show. We are excited to have really our first culinary chef expert on the Two Times Talk and Travel. Like I told you, we realize that this show is a little bit more than just travel. It's a little bit more about lifestyle. And we like to get a little input from the different aspects of the travel industry. And you've got some clout in the world. And and we want to talk a little bit about it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your travel experiences, Dan. Traveling? I don't know. Well, you know my mother, so travel agents extraordinaire. I want to go on record. Your mother, travel agent extraordinaire, Maria Bonanno. Maria and I have been working together as long as you've been a born, buddy. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, that the, definitely the travel book hit me very early in life, talking about different places to go and my mom bringing home brochures and seeing different places. You know, that was great. And then also my dad running Tenuta's Liquor and Deli, you know, a very international uh, deli, mostly Italian. So you see the different cultures mix. So I couldn't wait to go travel and see those products in real life and how 
the culture and people integrate each other. It's great. Let me ask you a quick question about that. That's a great point. Growing up in Kenosha and working at Tenuta's and it being basically your second home, when you were able to finally go to Italy, how old were you the first time you went? I was 21 when I went. All right. So how did that experience compare with uh, Saturday afternoon in Tenuta's? So I'll tell you a quick story about my very first hour in Italy. I got off the plane. We went to the school. The school dropped us off at my apartment. And I was the only one at the apartment. My other roommates weren't there yet. And I was hungry. So I went down to the corner store to get a sandwich. And I walked in. I knew what a San Pellegrino water was. And I knew what a prosciutto was. So when I ordered a prosciutto sandwich, they asked me, cotto or crudo? I had no clue what the hell that meant. And I said, cotto. So they basically just gave me a ham sandwich. (laughs) And I realized then crudo is the prosciutto that I knew, that we all really know. So I learned very quickly the two differences of that. So somebody would die in Tenuta's if that happened at Tenuta's and they didn't get the prosciutto and they ended up walking out with a ham sandwich, somebody would die. Exactly. So that alone was like, man, I got a lot to learn still. Yeah. Dan, tell us about your Italy experience. Tom mentioned to me that you were in Florence for that time period. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I went to a school called Apicius. It was an international school. And there I took, I tested into the master program because I already had culinary experience. It was a in-depth school about Italian food and the products. And one day they'll bring in dry pasta and talk about that all day. And next day they'll talk about balsamic and then olive oil and grappa. And we had different types of teachers. It was fantastic. And we learned about the culture and why they did what they did. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, Florence is one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to. And I had a great uh, restaurant culinary experience there because we arrived at the restaurant. It was super busy, maybe around seven o'clock. It was one of those go down the stairs underground restaurants. And they said, we're really busy, but if you come back at nine o'clock, we'll seat you. So we did. Well, by 11 o'clock, we were the only ones left in the restaurant. The owner of the restaurant and two of the waiters were at our table, (laughs) and they were having a sample, different stuff they made, and then they brought out the grappa, which is the first time I've ever had that. It's like a punch in the face, isn't it? And that was the culinary experience right there, ladies and gentlemen. So they were so friendly. They were so accommodating. And that memory of the owner of the restaurant in Florence at our table, just talking and laughing and kind of enjoying that restaurant experience together. I will never forget that. So it's It's funny when you talk about going downstairs. I've been to Italy seven times. And like you said, it's like almost every dining experience is truly genuine. And there's places in the United States here that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to build their restaurants to look like one of those basement restaurants that you're actually walking into. And sadly, you almost feel like you're desensitized sometimes when you walk down there like, oh, this is cool. No, this is 500 years old, man. Danny, when you think of your thoughts going back to Florence and whatnot, I always like to know regionally, what meal or what taste do you think of when you think of Florence? Man, so what is there, 20 regions of Italy? I like to say there's 20 cuisines then of Italy. Each region has their own cuisine. Florence is very central, right? Very touristy. They have big, bold flavors with their cheeses, with with their own prosciutto. It's very salty. Their cheeses are strong and their wines are heavy. And their bread is unsalted, but you eat them all together and it works. Italian food is very, I think it's heavier, oily, a lot of vegetables, like a ribolita soup. You have the, the steak, the bistecca is amazing, you know, stuff like that, and gnocchi. Not a lot of fresh pasta in Tuscany. 
there's a chef there that uh Chibrero restaurant. He doesn't do much pasta because he really believes that pasta is not real Tuscan. It's not real Florentine. No kidding. My trips to Florence, when I think of, the, and again, I, I guess the outside to Florence, and I obviously don't have the palate or the knowledge of food you do, but I always think of that area in Florence, the one taste or the one thing I always kind of miss the most is the boar. Boar is in, it seemed like all the pastas I've had and all the meals, I always love the boar ragu or however they're serving it. Then again, have you ever had a Florentine steak? I've never had the Florentine steak. I have not. It's amazing. So the Canina beef is grown in Cartona in the southern part of uh, Tuscany because it's flat. Fantastic, big, white beast of an animal. These things are really like they're all shoulders and no butt. Um, <laughs> That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, all nose, all nose and forehead, no butt. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the wild boar is... It's almost all throughout Italy, especially like Umbria too. Wherever there's a forest, there's going to be boar. But yeah, I agree too. Uh, Florence and you know, the wild boar gnocchi is some of the best things I ever had. We could spend a whole show on just Italy and Florence on top of it. What other, I know you were able to visit Cuba with your mom. Yep. What was that experience like? Because that was early on and it sounded like you were able to venture out a little bit when you couldn't venture out. And tell us a little bit about the culinary experience in Cuba. It was great. It was ups and downs, right? I really saw the passion behind, like I befriended a chef there and I saw the passion and he loved talking about food. We talked about stuff. And then I saw like how sad it was because they only had a certain amount of ingredients. They have spiny lobsters, they have pork, they have tomatoes, paprika and salt and pepper and garlic. Right off your tongue, you can say that. So that is, I mean, geez. Yeah. It's like, you know, and rice. So like, it's the same stuff. And talking with him and he showed me around and showed me different ways they cook with the same ingredients. It was amazing. And I was really happy to see that he didn't break his spirit and he did a really great job with his food. Wow. What a statement. It didn't break yeah. his spirit. I mean, that no says a lot in itself right there is. Yeah. Wow. Traveling for me is when I go to travel, it's all about the food and I want to see the culture, the food, what people are doing around it. I'm not a beach person. I like museums, but like, yeah, it's <laughs> something to do in between eating. <laughs> you know? Good point. Very so, good point. Yeah. Where I know you've yeah. also done a couple tours in Italy and whatnot. I mean, tell us where else you visited and maybe some of your favorites meals of the regions. I love Umbria a lot. I like to call it the stepchild of Tuscany. So it's the same, almost the same exact cuisine, but just cheaper and it's not filtered, I guess. It's really untouched. So it's terrific. I love Puglia. So the heel of Italy, fantastic seafood, fresh olive oil, a lot of produce down there. Uh, we stayed at a hotel that was vegetarian. Oh. And they grew everything. And the guy, the chef, would make five courses out of whatever he had on his farm in this hotel. It was amazing. He didn't miss meat at all. So, Well, that says something, because I always got this little mental thing in the back of my head. I could eat as much vegetables and as much or if there's not a pasta or a meat in there, I'm always thinking, I'm still hungry. Even if I could hardly move away from the table. That's just kind of a mental block I have, which... Yeah, a lot of fresh fruit, so... Yeah, Dan, you're painting such a great picture. I mean, your experiences in Italy and Cuba. I mean, when you think about it, too, I mean, it just scratches the surface of what's out there, you know, from a culinary experience and travel. And, and are there any other places that are kind of on wish your list? list yeah. yeah, wish list of hey, you know what, this region or this country or this area is really known for their a certain style of cuisine that you'd love to test out? I mean, it's not Italy, but I think Japan is definitely on my list right now. If I could 
bear the flights for <laughs> yes. so long. Yeah. I think Japan would be on there next because they're so dedicated and they care so much about the cuisine, so focused. I kind of want to experience that on my own. And also in Europe, I think Portugal will be on my list next. I haven't been to Portugal yet. I've been to Spain and France and stuff like that, but I have not been to Portugal. I think that'd be great to go see their food and how they live. Yep. Absolutely. Portugal is great. Maybe South Africa too. But yeah. All right. So as we talk a little bit again, my friend Tom here was when I told him we were going to have you on and we mentioned a restaurant. The first thing out of his mouth is. How did you come up with the name? Ooh, travel, right? So my business partner, Bonnie, she went to Kazakhstan to visit her sister that was in the Peace Corps. And they had a dish there that was translated from Russian, a fish in a fur coat. And she was telling me the dish was very, it was just like cured fish with mayonnaise and like, it looked really weird, but they gave it like a name, a fish in a fur coat. And that was the one thing I said was, oh, a pig in a fur coat. <laughs> and we kind of laughed. And then the next day we came back to it and we liked it. So, yeah, uh, no, I think it's great. I mean, that is so unique and I'm sure that characterizes what you guys are all about as well. So tell us a little bit about a pig in a fur coat. It's kind of my baby. It's. We do, we focus on farm to table, so local produce. And I use uh, Italian, French, and Spanish techniques to bring that food out. In Italy, they don't go to the United States and get canned tomatoes. So why are we buying imported stuff? So I'm getting local farmers to grow those unique types of tomatoes, the San Manzano tomatoes, not just the regular store-bought tomatoes. So you're very hands-on with that then, with the farmers then? Yes, yes. I even talked to like a lot of my people who raise my cows and pigs, what to feed them and stuff like that. It all matters. It's all about care. And they have the same care that I do, uh, my farmers. So I love that. And so that's what makes it special here. That's fantastic. I've dined at a pig in a fur coat and it is such a great experience. It's unlike really any other restaurant that I've ever been to. And the best thing about it is the atmosphere. And I was there the night you weren't even in there. So, and I, I still felt like a Kenosha kid up here in Madison enjoying a meal. I mean, again, the ambiance, the warmth of it all, it's not just how great the food is, but it's about the way I feel when I'm there. And my wife has been there a few times. My daughter's been there multiple times. So it's such a great experience. We were lucky enough to visit Alimentari as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Alimentari, it's going great. It's one of those things that I really missed about Kenosha is I really missed having a really good deli that has about five different types of prosciutto. So that's what we did. My brother and I and Bonnie, we just wanted to recreate like tenudas or other small delis and have things that I use at the restaurant be sold at the deli, different olive oils, tomatoes, peppers, and stuff like that. And then prosciuttos, all the cured meats. And really uh, go back to the old school way of we're going to slice it for you when you say it. It's not going to be pre-sliced. Oh, man. When they see my wife walk in at the deli at Tenuta's, there's like only two people that can actually cut the meat for my wife because Monica's like, let me see it. Okay, that's thin enough. It's got to be between thin and not shaved. It's got to be right between there for it. So, and then God knows if she comes home and has the wrong person and she throws the meats or the cheeses on the counter, she'd be like, her day's ruined. Danny, I think you can understand exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah there's been numbers of times, especially in Madison, I go get prosciutto somewhere and they're cutting it almost a quarter inch thick. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not paying for that. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. That attention to detail. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's quality. And Monica gets it. You get it. That's the experience of even how your deli meat is cut. is It's huge. And I think in the last year, people have spent a lot of time 
reading, learning, researching. And I mean, even before going into COVID, the whole foodie term was just so rampant, I'm sure. It's got to be great to be a restaurant owner and a chef such as yourself and see the self-proclaimed foodies coming in, dining, criticizing, complimenting. And sometimes I would imagine your ear pops up and like, oh, damn, this guy knows what he's talking about. And the other time you're like, whoa. Shut yeah, up. No. Oh, no, I get it. It's like, <laughs> hey, everybody knows how to make sourdough bread now. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's like the biggest accomplishment of the quarantine. It's usually the latter for me. It's usually because this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just <laughs> watching something on Netflix about travels to Italy. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. know, self-proclaimed experts, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, that's it's so excellent. fun talking to you. We definitely got to get you back one of these days. Maybe we'll do a two Tom's Talk and Travel uh, escorted tour with you and... Uh, well, podcast from the other side of the world, maybe Japan even we could do. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm down. One thing I see is, you know, as we come back to travel, I think the type of events that are out there in the world, the food festivals and things that are really built around the culinary experience, I would expect to see more of those. And hopefully you'll have the chance to kind of look at what's out there and participate in that with your expertise or take a trip and experience it yourself. I mean, I think for our listeners, that would be a really, really cool experience to do that. And I know personally, I would love to. Absolutely. Chef Dan Bonanno of A Pig in a Fur Coat in Alimentary Deli in Madison, Wisconsin. Thanks for spending some time with the two Toms today. It's been our pleasure, man. Yeah, so nice to meet you, Dan. I can't wait to get out to Madison to get to the restaurant and enjoy everything that you guys have to offer up there. Yeah, please let me know. And uh, thank you for having me on. Oh, man, I don't know about you. I am freaking hungry. <laughs> I know. Yeah, just him talking about all that, all the different food and his experiences. You know yeah, it makes me excited. You know what's sad is we got to sit and talk to him. We got to see him on the screen. And because we're just all audio and no video, I mean, when you talk to Danny and you see Danny and his passion about things and his casualness about it, yes. it just adds to the, he the does. He's got a good vibe. He's, he's got a got, cool vibe. He's got a great vibe. Yeah, so That's I can't it. wait to go to a pig in a fur coat and check that out. Maybe meet him in person. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, he's such a humble and welcoming person. Very, very too. much so. Like he had mentioned at the beginning, we didn't do it in the intro, but his mother, Maria Bonanno, has worked with me, God, for 30 plus years. And without a doubt, she is probably, for anybody listening, Maria is probably the most experienced, knowledgeable, and customer service focused travel agent in the Midwest when it comes to predominantly Italy, surrounding Europe, and really anywhere. But she was born in Italy. She came here when she was young. It's great because I've traveled Italy with Maria probably three or four times. And every time we get there, it's always so neat to see her family come and meet her. And that's the one thing I would like, I guess, talk to Danny about is when he did get a little bit down to Southern Italy, because Maria and Tony are from Cosenza, which is in the Southern part of Italy. And it's just always interesting to see the family come up and feel, you know, oh, this is my brother, so-and-so, it's my aunt. And you're like, oh, and you all of a sudden, you immediately, you feel like you're part of the family. No so doubt. Wow. You can see where they get that. But man, it's such a great experience. And I'm now jacked to do a couple food tours. How about you? Yeah, me too. I think it'd be awesome. And it might take a little bit of time before we can get to Italy, but we will. And there's lots of other places out there, a lot of other destinations out there that really have a great culinary focus. There's maybe some mainstream products for those of you listening that are foodies that want to have that experience. Shoot down in Mexico at uh, Charisma at, at Azul Riviera. Oh, Azul. Well, yeah. Azul Riviera Cancun, Casla Chic. It's like a five diamond restaurant. I've eaten there a couple of times. It's a, an amazing experience. Same El Dorado Royale has the Puente's Culinary Theater. That's where you go into this giant palapa and they actually have the chefs on headsets and mics and then they're on camera 
walking you through the meal preparation, walking you through the ingredients. And then they serve you this amazing meal with a wine pairing. With matched wine. Yeah, yes. which is phenomenal. And that, that's in Riviera Maya, Mexico. So you just want to look at those different opportunities. And obviously, too, in the U.S., there's some great, amazing restaurants. So that is something that I'm definitely looking forward to because I like to eat. I know you like to eat. And it was so good kind of getting that charge from Dan and kind of talking through some things with him because it really does inspire you. It really does excite you about the future and some of the experiences that are out there waiting for us. Yeah. When you started off in the interview with Dan and you were talking about your trip to Florence and walking down the stairs and sitting down and coming back and how welcomed you were and just how accommodating the people are. But there's so many, I mean, having been to Europe in different parts, you talked about going to Portugal. I have that experience in places in Portugal and Southern Italy that you can't make this stuff up. It's like one of those things. You oh, can't yeah, make no. this. You're in the basement of an exposed brick building that's been there for four or 500 years. And the mom and dad are working when the dad's behind the grill, the mom's working the front, the son's pouring the wine. If you haven't been to Europe, even if you have been to Europe, I guess what I'm trying to say is venture out on your own. Don't always follow the Fromers. Don't follow, have the adventure. And that goes right back to how we led this in. It's not getting on the bus, off the bus, on the bus, off the bus. A lot of those are big dining experiences that tend to be a little bit more Americanized. Go find something. And if you find something you don't like, just write it off. Say, you know what? I'm never going to eat saltfish cod or whatever it is again. I don't yeah, like it. Right. But try something else. Don't become an ugly American. Don't get mad because of it. Use it as a learning experience never to eat it again, but at least I tried it. Things like that. But I just get so excited about eating internationally. And when you talked about Fuentes at El Dorado in Mexico, that's cool because the majority of the time they're cooking authentic local Mexican Yucatan Mayan cuisines. Yeah, absolutely. And at that resort too, they have this giant greenhouse. They're growing their own produce. It's all organic. What's well, phenomenal. And also too, one thing we didn't talk about, Danny, is that I love wine. That part of the culinary experience, when it's paired with food, all the different wine options and experiencing that and really growing your understanding of all the different wine choices, that alone is, and how it goes with the food is such a great experience. So yeah, so a lot out there, my friend. You know what? Yeah, we got to get a game plan. We do. We do. And we'll announce it here. You got you to have a plan because that's how things get done. So as we wrap things up, we like to end it even on a little bit more positive note. You told me, you reminded me of a little good information as we talked oh, yeah, about. Oh, no, yeah. See, we were talking about wine and spirits. Yeah, it's spirits. But so American Airlines is bringing back the drinks. Yellow. I mean, it's funny. Like, these are just the little victories that we're looking at. So if you haven't been on a plane lately, as we have been on lots of airplanes and going different places, we're lucky in that way. But you couldn't get anything to drink. In some cases, you can't even get, you can't even get a cup of coffee or Diet <laughs> right. Coke. So. American Airlines announced that they're bringing back the beverages. And like we talked about, hey, you know what? It's incremental steps. It's little things and things like that as we move forward, getting us back to that feeling of normalcy and an experience like we're used to having, even on the airplane, is a step in the right direction. Kind of going full circle from how we started the podcast today with our little rant about the CDC. But we're getting there, folks. Keeping it positive, like we talked about always. If you have questions, if you have uncertainty, if you need more information, where are you going to start that? Where are you going to start that conversation? It's with your... Your local travel agent. Yeah, and if you don't have one, find one. Don't try to navigate it on your own and use up your valuable time. We do this all day, every day. So do our colleagues in the industry. 
and we're on top of all of these different changes, then, you know, by all means, start your search there because I think you'll be headed in the right direction and you can travel with confidence knowing that you talk to an expert. Excellent. Good wrap up. It was a great show. Yeah. Had a good time today. Always, time flew. Yeah. My God, we yeah. had a good show today. Yeah, so, so now we got a, you know, that we had Dan and we had the culinary aspect. I think there's so many more opportunities for us. And please, by all means, give us a review. Yeah, let us know what you think. You know, share the podcast with your friends. Tell us what you're interested in. What do you want to hear about? We have access to so many great worldwide guests that can talk about any topic really under the sun as it relates to travel or even like in today's show as it relates to a certain aspect of travel in the culinary world. So tell us what you want to hear. Yeah. So having said that, I want to thank everybody for listening. We appreciate you all. I'm Tom Carnes from La Macchia Travel. And I'm Tom Russo from Sensational Beach Vacations. Thank you all so much. Be good, everyone. Mm-hmm.